0: it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's been a wild week, real wild week, nothing like it. Uh, I'm not saying the most impactful, but so much unexpected, especially uh, the details of the series of leaks that are happening at the Pentagon. I think devastating to our reputation and possibly the war effort. The President of the United States, the former one, speaks out. Today he's going to be deposed again by a ridiculous attorney general in New York about his company, which has no debt, uh, but they say massive fraud. Yeah. Right. The massive fraud that you loved when he was hosting The Apprentice, you didn't like that he was a Republican. And then the bottom of the hour, Ben Dominick, Jennifer Griffin on the latest on the Pentagon. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number
0: three. 93% of new cars sold are gas-powered cars. Uh, electric cars are so popular, the government has to mandate them and subsidize them. Look, this whole rule is a, is a failure.
3: EV madness. The agenda-driven administration sacrificed our national security to China as they want a mandate and rapid flip to electric cars. Where are the batteries made? Rare Earth found. You guessed it. China will debate the affordability and folly of this crazy quest to control America's movements.
1: Number two.
4: Once again, we are close allies to the U.S. Uh, Vis-a-vis China, the uh, European strategy is quite clear. We don't want to have any decoupling from China because we really think that this is an illusion, but we want to de-risk from China.
3: What are you talking about? The typical French diplomat, red China threat rising, a betrayal explained in a president on a family vacation. That's the state of America's foreign policy and challenges as turbulence rises around the world. We need a regime change. Right here. Right now.
5: Number one.
3: The
6: documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal.
3: Clues to the breach. The biggest breach of intel, not from cyber thief and not from a brilliant Russian spy but some type of military, young, charismatic, gun-enthusiastic male. That's how he is described. Seems to be on a military base. Docs Legit started on Discord, which was a small gaming site. And we just got a new trench, and the Pentagon is not telling us where this came from. The New York Times and Washington Post are giving us all this information. What is revealed? The race to find and stop him. As Jennifer Griffin will tell us and expand on. Hundreds more documents coming your way. So the New York Times and the Washington Post predominantly are, are leading this story. What happened? Well, starting in January, there begin, to, there begin to be a dialogue among one military man in his teens or early 20s and others in a chat room during the pandemic. They were bored looking for leadership companionship. So this guy would walk in and talk about and post intel information about the soon-to-be war in Ukraine and other things. And it would happen exactly like the intel revealed. They realized this guy's special, that the stuff is legitimate. They promised not to leak it out outside their small clubhouse, cyber clubhouse. But one person did. Along the way, once these guys started getting bored with his little interactions and all this intel that he was posting for his, because he evidently has a security clearance, he got bored. So then he said, instead of writing this all out, I'm just going to take pictures of it, which is sloppy. And some of the things that we've already been over uh, about the war effort, about the casualties, about the amount of uh, infighting among uh, the Russians, uh, from Vladimir Putin on down to the Wagner group all through. The fact that we spy on our allies like Egypt and South Korea and what they actually said with the UAE and more. And Israel, as I mentioned, having a little bit of a war with their own intelligence apparatus, the Mossad. This is devastating. What is scary is The Washington Post found someone in this chat room. Yes, the Washington Post. Where is the FBI? Why is this leaker still out there? What else do they have? Here's a friend of the leaker's identity, not known. Cut one.
6: He is not a Russian operative. He is not a Ukrainian operative. I'll go as far to say he's not even on the east side of the world. Any claims that he is a Russian operative or pro-Russian is categorically false. He is not interested in... Helping any foreign agencies with their attack on the US or other countries.
3: But he's hurting this country, and that's the problem. And he probably knows that. They say he's too smart not to. Evidently, he's about guns, God, and the military. Um, also, seems to uh, have a godlike complex, go figure. His name is OG Online. Um, he divert, uh, traversed a range of sensitive subjects. The only people who had undergone months-long background checks would be authorized to see what he sees. Good news is he doesn't seem to have human intelligence, just satellite and cyber intelligence. He says there was top-secret reports about the whereabouts and movements of high-ranking political figures and tactical updates on military forces, geopolitical analysis, insights, and foreign government efforts to interfere with elections. If you could think it, it was in those documents. Cut to
6: The documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal.
3: What bothers me most is you have the Chinese war games over Taiwan, ships still uh, surrounding the, the island, Macron coming out, betraying us, in my view, in China. You have Brazil's leader going over to China. Germany said to go over to China. China trying to convince everybody to get off the U.S. dollar. I don't know how much success they'll have, but the fact that they're trying. Saudi Arabia is tighter with China these days, and us, they've cut production. And we have a president, is a zombie president. He's over in Ireland on a family vacation, going through his roots. Uh, you have plenty of time in retirement to do that. In fact, instead of going to Camp David, go to Ireland, but do your job. He answered one question about the leaks waiting close to finding the guy. You should be on the phone dealing with Israel, South Korea, UAE. Find out why Saudi Arabia has left America's orbit and find out what the attraction is. Find out what the attraction is to China. You got to tell China you do me a favor, Saudi Arabia, pick up production and we're going to start buying additional oil to refill our coffers when it comes to the strategic oil reserve. It's devastating. No question about it for the French. They tried to explain themselves in a charm offensive, first stop special report. This is their economic and finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, cut nine.
4: Of course, we stand with the U.S. and let's avoid any misunderstanding. We are uh, close allies to the United States of America. I would say strong allies, reliable allies. I participated to the state visit of Macron to uh, the U.S., to Washington. Uh, It was a great success for both President Biden and President Macron. He he just, President Macron, we call what has been always at the core of um, his uh, willingness for Europe, more independence, more sovereignty. And I really think that this is in the interest of uh, the U.S. government and the U.S. citizen to have a stronger Europe.
3: So now we have Germany heading over there, and you have a foreign minister heading over there. He's heading over to China to represent Berlin, but says he's likely to have more explaining to do about Paris. Here we go. Uh, The foreign minister says he's embarking on a two-day visit starting Wednesday evening, yesterday. Officials in Berlin were eager to stress that Germany and the EU care about Taiwan and stability in the region, arguing it mainly China that most contribute to de-escalation by refraining from aggressive military maneuvers. Thank you, Germany, for saying something like that. Unlike the three-day love fest with Macron and China. So I don't know if he's doing it for domestic policy, but he should at least have given us a heads up, I think. Cut 10.
4: Once again, we are close allies to the U.S. Uh, vis-a-vis China, the European strategy is quite clear. We don't want to have any decoupling from China because we really think that this is an illusion. But we want to de-risk from China. Right. I don't know what that means. It's a little bit of
3: a difference. Anything vital, pull out. Pharmaceuticals, pull out. Uh, Fundamental uh, chips, building phones, pull out. Intel opportunities, pull out. You got a company over there that's got to give up their intellectual property, pull out. Let them make T-shirts. How about that? Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jennifer Griffin will go inside the Pentagon search for the leaker and so much more. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: OG was not hostile to the U.S. government. However, he had disagreed with several occasions such as Waco and Ruby Ridge and thought that the government is overreaching in several aspects. There was no heavy Snowden-like conspiracy here like some people may believe. People were reading them and they were not commenting on them. They were just sitting there. I want to keep OG's identity secret because I still care for him like he's a family member.
3: Yeah, but it's not good for America for it to be out. And as Jennifer Griffin just reported on Fox News, it looks like hundreds of documents could be coming forward. Jennifer joins us now. Fox is chief national security correspondent. Jennifer, were you surprised as I was to see the Washington Post with with such an extensive profile of a guy we still haven't found?
1: Brian, it it truly, I'm not easily stunned. This was a stunning piece of journalism, and the Washington Post and Shane Harris and his team deserve full credit. The fact that within, the fact that these documents have been online in this kind of tight server with uh, 20 to 24 young people who are teenagers, some are foreign nationals, uh, Some, uh, and one of them was this this guy who went by the the name OG, uh, Original Gangster, I think is what it stands for, who worked at a military base and clearly had access to some of the nation's most secret information. I mean, the fact that he had was able to get in and uh, print out and then also get into some of the uh, classified CIA Ops Center documents, as well as NSA signals intelligence, this was not just somebody picking up one piece of one document and carrying it home with him. And this this guy, uh, OG, if, if that was his name, uh, he, he was in his 20s. Well, these kind of young people, People who haven't been screened, who have access to this intelligence, and the damage that he just did, putting it in a chat room with a bunch of 16-year-olds who formed this uh, kind of a a mentally unstable group of kids who's formed during COVID and were like, you know, acted like a cult. Some of the 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 interview that was done by the Washington Post, and my understanding is they simply uh, reached out and DM'd this uh, this chat group when this came out a week ago. The New York Times first broke the story, um, and at, at that point, they reached out to members of the Discord chat group. They went out to California and met with this uh, this uh, teenager who was a member of the group. He agreed to talk, and he gave and some of his quotes are simply stunning, uh, talking about what it felt like to be on the Mount Everest of this information and how they were going to they were all keeping it to themselves, and they were very upset when it leaked out. And then just two days ago, he said the group group. group had a final goodbye with O.G., who, um, again, works on a U.S. military base with the highest level of classification and clearances. Uh, And he said uh, that members of the group were crying. They were distraught and sad, and they felt like they were losing a family member. And that suddenly O.G., who seemed all-powerful to them and who um, was confused and didn't seem to have an answer for what's next, my guess at this point in time is that the FBI has been watching him and his friends for the last week, gathering into uh, information that will be used in the investigation, but it's a little unnerving that they haven't arrested him at this point.
6: He was a, he was a young, charismatic man who loved nature, God, who loved shooting guns and, and racing cars. He did have sort of a bossy attitude at some points, but it was more of a fatherly bossy. He did see himself as the leader of this group, and he ultimately he was the leader of this group, and he wanted us all to be sort of super soldiers to some degree, informed, fit with God, well-armed, stuff like that. There it is.
3: Uh, so that's the attitude, and that's what we're that's eventually going to find out. That's
1: the mental profile of this leaker who has caused so much disruption, not only to the war in Ukraine, to uh, shared secrets with the Russians. I mean, these kids and this young 20-something who uh, worked for the government, they are in for a world of pain. I mean, this is espionage. Even if they weren't working for a foreign government, there were foreign, uh, foreign people on that website. Uh, these classifications said, they couldn't be shared with foreign, uh, any foreign adversaries or allies even. And what they have done is so damaging to relationships with South Korea, with Ugh. Egypt, with UAE, with Israel. They have no idea. They're, the cortexes in their brain don't seem to be closed yet to even know the damage that they just did to the U.S. US government and to the nation as a whole.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a new, there's a new batch. It contains 20, in, in the New York Times today, 27 pages, reinforced how deeply American spy agencies penetrated into Russian intel, uh, one is a single source. They go on to say there's a single source uh, where they say Vladimir Putin had to come in and basically referee between regular army as well as the Wagner group. One thing is clear, and tell me if you back this up, they say they don't seem to have had access to human intelligence, just electronic or cyber intelligence. So that might be one advantage. Have you heard about any outrage or any outreach? From our State Department or from the administration to talk to leaders and and hear uh, let them unload on us or
1: absolutely they have been working for the past week um, in in complete overdrive, reaching out and getting an earful from allies uh, who who are furious that this stuff is out there but but let 's just step back for a moment, Brian. what this uh, this leak has revealed is just how incredible. Uh, U.S. signals intelligence is look at look at what we're talking about the be, the ability to be able to eavesdrop in a room where Vladimir Putin is meeting with the uh, the head of the Wagner Group and the uh, FSB and the, the head of the defense ministry to settle uh, um, a disagreement. The fact that the U.S. Ha- it has an ability to listen into that, um, the damage that is going to be done. I mean, the Russians should have known that we had that ability, but what has been laid out clear to everyone. Is that the u s intelligence through the NSA and other signals intelligence and satellites can listen to any conversation anywhere, and that is on the one hand for someone like me who covers intelligence incredibly impressive, but on the other hand does that need to be in the public purview and no. Do, isn't yeah. it, it, no absolutely not and these kids and this uh, leaker I, I mean if there's not a case for the death penalty, I don't know what is.
3: I know, because you've got to stop the next one, because we've got Snowden, uh, Manning, and now this. Uh, but now we don't know this person's name uh, and the WikiLeaks situation, too. The other thing, little things, like for, I think it's a big thing, but if they're able. the Russians have been successful in jamming the GPS signals on our smart bombs, making them into dumb bombs. So we're sitting there trying to target something, and they've been able to jam it. I have not heard that in the Middle East at all when we were using that. That might be somewhat of a first. But how about this, Jennifer? That news that we had about China possibly giving lethal aid was real. I mean, we see it right here in these documents.
1: It was real, and it never happened. The interesting thing, though, about a lot of the information that has come out in the Ukraine segments of these documents, and the bulk of it is dealing with Ukraine, but not all of it. And and they're not all from a single, you know, uh, they're not all from single tranches. They're from multiple, multiple sources within the U.S. government. So you've got CIA documents, you've got NSA documents, you've got different tranches, if you will. Um, but, but what we... Uh, What is interesting about some of these revelations in Ukraine, a lot of this has been reported. I mean, remember, a lot of the the new uh, era of of reporting on intelligence and uh, these issues in Ukraine, the U.S., um, has decided to release some of this stuff in advance in order to kind of disrupt and stop yeah. it. So the Chinese have not transferred those weapons. But isn't that because uh, those news reports came out and you heard Blinken and uh, Austin and others and Bill Burns talking about it yeah. publicly? So Gen- they're using intelligence in a very interesting way. Jennifer, again, th-
3: Yeah, thanks so much. This is devastating, but I appreciate your insight. We'll see what happens today. Hopefully we'll get an arrest. Jennifer Griffin from the Pentagon.
2: talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade i think
5: there's a perception that the rest of this week is essentially you know, tree planting bill ringing and a taxpayer funded family
6: reunion What
1: would the White House say to that chart? I would uh, not surprisingly dispute that characterization. Uh, Like I said, the president today is going to have the opportunity to meet with the prime minister of the U.K. Uh, I think the president feels very strongly that there is is benefit uh, both here uh, as well as in the United States to mark the anniversary of the Good Friday agreement. Uh,
3: This is totally a necessary trip. It is about him defining his roots after a five-day vacation in Camp David, after dumping the ridiculous review of the what went wrong in Afghanistan, hence everything, and then he goes right to Ireland, one of the few countries where we don't have a problem, we go there. The president's there. Where he refuses to even have press conferences, but brags, people brag, that he does take shouted questions. What kind of autocracy is this? Ben Dominic, George is Fox News contributor, editor at large for the Spectator World, host of the Ben Dominic podcast. Hey, Ben, what do you think? Do you think this is just taxpayer funded family outing?
8: <laughs> it absolutely is that, Brian. It's insulting on its face. I mean, you said it right in the sense that Ireland's one of the few countries around the world where we don't have problems right now. Uh and and look, you know, if if Joe wants to be you know, a plastic patty and that kind of thing and go over there and, 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 you know, do his find his roots kind of experience, you know, he should be doing that on his own time and on his own dime, not on the taxpayers. And I think that this is, a, you know, a, a, again, a situation where this white house in its arrogance and its refusal to uh, deal with any of the problems that they have right in front of their face, they've, they've really run up against, I think, a media, a press corps, that is finally fed up with it and is calling them out. I think you know, in in increasing ways. We saw Ed O'Keefe responding as uh, as I thought thought was very appropriate to that Afghanistan dump, uh, with you know being very frustrated, saying this is a definition of burying something on a holiday weekend. We saw the frustration uh, with John Kirby. We saw the frustration with uh, with uh, Kareem Jean Pierre. We've seen you know a number of other folks. It's not just uh you know peter ducey out there you know calling them to account more and more people in this press corps are saying, you know, is the White House even going to grapple with any of these major issues that w- they have in front of them? Or is this just, you know, Joe's on vacation. He gets to do whatever he wants. He avoids any questions. And he treats people who ask him questions as if they're somehow insulting him by doing it. Uh, it's a ridiculous way to approach the job. It's totally out of step with, with everything that we've seen in terms of increased access to the president over the past several years. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm fed up with it, and I think the American people are too.
3: So right there, they were lying to us. He's- Taken taken uh, 900 questions, shouted. It's just wrong. She kept saying it. The, pres- the White House had to walk it back. Press conferences in their presidencies through April 12th. Clinton, 92, third year. Bush, 45 by third year. Obama, 53. Trump, 41. Biden, 23. And think about this. We have an unprecedented, maybe unprecedented leak. Snowden, WikiLeaks, Manning style. Devastating our national profile and dependability at a time in which we're trying to unite the world against China. China's trying to divide it, and all this stuff comes out. And then today he answered one question saying we think we're getting closer to finding the guy, but I'm not worried about the intelligence. Not much of it was contemporaneous. I'm worried about the intelligence. The Pentagon's worried about it, and nobody's in charge.
8: Look, it, it's it's absolutely abhorrent and it's and frankly I think it's dereliction of duty to not be all over this story all over this issue and to to be projecting confidence as opposed to waving it away and saying that this doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. Everybody understands that it matters. People within the intel community understand it. People within the military community understand it. And our allies around the world understand it as well. And look, I I don't know how much time, you know, you've had to sort of dig into this uh, and to read all of the different things that were put out there and how they were put out there. But the way that this process played out is really disturbing because it suggests to me that, you know, Know, these, this is information that is getting into the hands of people where it should not be, uh, and then those people are turning around and and they're exposing it. You know, in this case, th- this information looks to have been exposed. Not out of some kind of deep-seated, uh, you know, attempt uh, to achieve some uh, major aim, as we saw, you know, under the the Snowden or the Manning situation. This was basically just a guy bragging to people online, you know, just bragging about the the level of access that he had, uh, as opposed to, and that's something that to me. Is makes it all the more disturbing, you know. In the sense that, like, at least there's some rational reason or or something that Snowden and Manning and people like that were trying to achieve by doing this. If this, if we reach a point where it's just, you know, one nerd boasting to their gamer friends about the kind of things that they're able to uh, have access to, then we have a huge problem in terms of in terms of that community, and that's something that the president needs to address and needs to real really reestablish when it comes to our allies that this is the kind of thing that we will not tolerate and it will not happen again.
3: Well, I mean, he's got his other problems. Traveling with Hunter, he could not even put together a sentence. He walked over to Irish children, at which time they're asking him. It might not be as audible. It's easier, obviously, with closed caption on TV. Yeah. They're asking him, "What? How do you be? What are the keys to success?" And listen to where this this conversation goes. Cut 19.
5: There was a guy named Jesse Helms from South Carolina, from North Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina. He was a very conservative guy who was very, very, not very crazy about african Americans.
3: Really? Children, was, Irish children need to know about Jesse Helms? That is yeah. an important takeaway?
8: Yeah. I mean, it, uh, first off, I want to say uh, I know uh, uh, people who worked for Jesse Helms and uh, and certainly Jesse Helms had, you know, his own in ways that he meandered through his career, but he actually became someone who obviously crossed party lines in the late stage of his career in order to achieve a lot of good things and really reformed himself over, over time in ways that, you know, I actually think are a key part of understanding how America changed in a positive way. You know, you think about him working with, with uh, Bono and U2, and everything uh, related to that. But it's like, when you're talking with Joe Biden, there seems to be some point and it's usually about twenty minutes in to any kind of event where he just falls off a cliff. And look, I, I realize we don't wanna, you know, compare at this moment. You know, I've ranted before on this show about how old our leadership class is. But, you know, at a moment where we're talking about Dianne Feinstein, you know, you know, being pressured to resign uh, from the Senate in her in her aged years, uh, dealing with her own physical uh, and, and uh, uh, illness problems. We you see the the problems with the absence of John Fetterman, uh, you know, from Pennsylvania. We see even the challenges on the Republican side uh, with Mitch McConnell and and having to recover. We are living in a stage now where America's leadership. Just does not project strength. It does not uh, project uh, that kind of you know personal and physical awareness of what's going on around them. And instead, you see incidents like this that can only be disturbing. You know, for our allies and for those of us uh, you know who care about American strength, regardless of the party in power. You know, we should care that the president is able to actually do their job. No, he can't. And I think in Joe Biden, we have a man who simply can't anymore.
3: I mean, Ben, you, you're in Washington, but the word was that. Ron Klein was in charge. So yeah. doing most of the things. The president would have big picture things to say, and Ron Klein was in charge. There's no sense that anybody is in charge right now. No sense no. that anyone's vision is being implemented. And then the president's announcing this, this revolutionary switch to gas to electric cars. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. He wants he wants seventy percent of all cars in nine years to be electric. He's talking about 500,000 charging stations, and there's going to be all types of demands on tailpipes to make it impossible to sell the combustion engine. And the president is walking around Ireland (laughs) trying to find out what his great-grandfather did in a church, which was make, sell the bricks. What a great story that is.
8: it's, it's, It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's also, I think, an indication of how much the media gaslit America about Joe Biden. They made the case for him in 2020 as being a return to normalcy and stability, of being a centrist, of being someone who could work across party lines, Instead, he's been exposed as being this meandering, doddering partisan who is essentially trying to make America into California, you know regardless of whether we have Gavin Newsom uh, or not you know in this job, that's essentially the way that Joe Biden is approaching it uh, and that's not what most Americans want, and it's one of the reasons why I think the poll numbers are as bad as they are um uh, for him in terms of in terms of running again and as much as you know the democratic bench is weak it's it's astounding to me that someone isn't standing up to take him on with, uh, you know, a significant effort uh, to try to, you know, essentially take the job from him. Uh, and I think that it's really a question of whether one of these younger progressives wants to seize a moment and say, you know, we're not going to just hang around and, and pretend like we can't all see the thing that's happening right in front of our eyes. You know, we need new younger, you know, leadership that's that's more in touch with what's going on in the country. I would I would not be shocked if that ends up happening, Brian. Now I don't know if it will, but, you know, that's also obviously a sign of how weak the the uh, the ability of their bench is in terms of standing someone up who looks presidential. Uh, and I think that that's a, going to be a problem for them in several coming cycles.
3: Just on the age thing, you know, Donald Trump, whatever you think of him, same guy. Uh, you watch him for an hour, Tucker Carlson, you watch him, it's same guy. But everything. Oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders, same guy. They brought yep. it, uh, Donald Trump said, I talked to Bernie Marcus, co founder of Home Depot. Same guy. Ken Longone, same guy. So you t- it's not a matter of age. Your father in law, John McCain, does anyone think he's getting old? Physically, you paid a price because of what happened in Vietnam, but this guy could have, he had more energy than anybody we know. So it wasn't yeah. this, you know, you could say you're out of touch, you're looking for a Victrola instead of a, uh, and, <laughs> instead of, you know, listening to your uh, Pandora. I get it. Uh, but that type of stuff, cultural, I can deal with. This guy is just not with it. He can't get a line out. And there's a reason why there's a delay here. Uh, I got to just ask you about Hunter Biden real quick. The thing that's different about these bank records and now these uh, White House records, it shows 80 visits from different uh, Hunter Biden business associates. We also have a situation where the stenographer under President Obama has come forward to say he has sold – them, that he sold our country down the river, that he's trying to get a hold of the FBI. This guy, Mike McCormick, can't get anybody to listen to him. I want you to hear a little bit what he told Jesse last night. Cut 20.
0: Joe Biden was in the front of the plane. My job as a White House stenographer was be in the back of the plane. And if Joe or a senior administration official came back and did a briefing, then I would record it and make a transcript. And that senior administration official was Jake Sullivan. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. Years go by. I'm writing books, and I get a hold of the Hunter Biden laptop. About a year and a half ago, I started writing a substack based on what I find. And then I go back over what I knew happened. I found the transcript that I wrote about that briefing. That's when Jake Sullivan starts talking about fracking. Because of what I'd read in the laptop and reported in my substack previously, I'm like, wait a minute, Joe Biden knew Hunter Biden was already on the board on April 18th. He directed Sullivan to go back and talk to the press.
3: So do you understand what's going on? Here's a little more. Cut 21.
0: Public corruption. That's what the FBI is supposed to investigate. So I wrote a substack about it in November. Nothing happened. I went to the FBI and filled out their witness tip line. I submitted it. If you lie to the FBI when you're submitting a tip like that, you can go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. Joe Biden is lying. Joe Biden is a criminal. That's the bottom line. I don't care if he goes to Timbuktu or Island or anywhere. He's a criminal. And I've got the evidence. If they put me in front of the grand jury that's right now seated in Wilmington with special prosecutor David Weiss, my testimony becomes the evidence that will put him in jail or lead to his impeachment.
3: Well, we've got to get a few uh, lines crossed and we got to get some details, but that's an emphatic guy.
8: Yeah, I, look, I, I think that this absolutely merits, uh, you know, attention. And one of the things that we need to understand here is that you know, there's inevitable consequences to the weaponization of of lawfare that has, that we've seen going after uh, former President Trump. I think that this is one of those consequences that will come sooner than people expect which is that there's going to be stepped up uh, efforts to investigate what Joe Biden knew when he knew it uh, related to Hunter's businesses uh, in ways that whether they prove to be criminal or not make very clear that there was an incredible amount of unethical behavior going on on his part, uh, in fa- uh, working in favor of, of Hunter's interests. Uh, and these, these are not things that we should ignore. We have to pay attention to them because they're, they speak to the high level of power that was being exercised to benefit the Biden family. Uh, and that's something that we need to investigate uh, until we get to the bottom of it, until we get to the, uh, you know, actual root of, of everything that was done. I think that that question, uh, remains something that has to be a high priority for the country. We should not tolerate it in any of our elected officials and certainly not in, at that time, the vice president of the United
3: States. Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor. Look forward to expanding on this in your podcast, the Ben Dominich Podcast. Thanks, Ben.
2: Great to be
9: with you.
3: All right. When we come back, I'll take your calls. one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade.
2: Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Let's welcome.
3: the perfect gag dance because they
2: make readers throw up. Co-host of Fox and Friends, Brian oh me.
3: <laughs> Brian, what's strange about you is that everybody wishes you wouldn't be yourself. Right, that's interesting. <laughs> Did you take notes on my background? By the way, worst intro ever. I've been introed on. Martha, Martha McCallum had me on at 3 o'clock today. Beautiful intro. Talked about my shows and my impact on society. And what did you basically say? My books are gag gifts? Yes. Uh, because they make people throw up. Right. I need a crisis manager after doing this show. So that was uh, one of the worst decisions I made the Gilman Gutfeld show last night. Uh, that's pretty true. Uh quick thing when we did discuss this on we actually had some great topics, one of which was these electric cars. We're not ready for them. Uh, where they are going to put all types of demands on the tailpipe if he's allowed to get reelected, that's going to make uh, driving a combustion engine almost impossible. The problem is these these electric cars are about fifteen thousand dollars more than a gas powered car when they're used. Well, batteries have about seven years lifetime. If you have a forty five thousand dollar car, it's estimated that your battery is forty five is twenty five thousand dollars. Why would anybody buy a used car that's maybe two or three years old? Like I do, I've never bought a, w- a new car in my life. If you know your battery's going to uh, blow up blow up. It's gonna uh, blow out, and then you got to get a new one for twenty five thousand dollars. The other thing is, there's no small fender bender. Once this thing is hit, it's done. It's finished. It's through. The other thing, there's not places to, uh, to charge it. There's gonna be five hundred thousand charging stations. They're not gonna have them on side roads, rural towns. They're gonna be major cities. Why would you do that? And you don't have a grid that is carbon free. So you're just moving fossil fuels over to your grid, giving off emissions that you're trying to avoid. In the cleanest country on the planet, I think maybe save Norway or Sweden or Finland, we have got it down. They are actually doing something that's going to hurt our national security because to get the rare earth and get the batteries, you got to go to China. And you talk about the environment. Who's throwing out the batteries? We have no idea what to do with them. Maybe bury them in the ground or sending them into a side of a mountain. Don't you think we should work that out before seven out of every ten of us are forced to buy an electric car? Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. Go to briankilmeade.com, order any of my great books. I will personalize them and sign them and show and make it the, the cherry of your library.
2: From the Fox News radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be joined by Dave Rubin in a matter of moments. And at the bottom of the arrow, Elbridge Colby, Deputy Assistant to the Secretary of Defense for Strategy and Force uh, between 17 and 18. Definitely wants to weigh in on what's happened with China, the threats they continue to make, the president's ridiculous trip to Ireland, as well as the horrible leaks that have come out of the Pentagon. We're also following the president's trip. He took one question that I could hear. Uh, One question. We have a press going around the world. Not one press conference. I've never heard anything like this, especially with so many issues pressing. This is a personal vacation for the president at the worst possible time. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
0: Number three. 93% of new cars sold are gas-powered cars. Uh, electric cars are so popular, the government has to mandate them and subsidize them. Mm-hmm. Look, this whole rule is a, is a failure.
3: Yeah, Steve Malloy weighing in. EV madness. The agenda-driven administration sacrifices our national security to China as they mandate a rapid flip to electric cars. Where are the batteries made? How do we get rid of them? Where's the rare earth found? You guessed it, China.
1: Number two.
4: Once again, we are close allies to the U.S. Uh, Vis-a-vis China, the European strategy is quite clear. We don't want to have any decoupling from China because we really think that this is an illusion, but we want to de-risk from China.
3: Yeah, Google out. Good luck with that distinction. Red China threat rising, a betrayal explained, kind of, and a president on a family vacation. That's the state of America's foreign policy and challenges as turbulence rise on every corner of the world.
1: Number one.
6: The documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal.
3: Identity hidden. A friend of the leaker to the Washington Post just spoke about the man who leaked it in his early 20s. Love God, love guns, love the military. Clues to the breach. The biggest breach of intel, not from the cyber chief or a brilliant Russian or from China. A young, charismatic gun enthusiast. That's how he's described It seems to me uh, he's on a military base. The New York Times has additional documents. We expect hundreds more, all of which put us in jeopardy. This was mostly electronic intelligence. So that is extremely disturbing. So The Washington Post says more than the FBI because this guy is still out and about. Dave Rubin, welcome.
9: Brian, it's good to be with you.
3: Dave, first off, can you believe the extensive story The Washington Post had? Great journalism, no question, that reveals this leaker in his 20s in a... Small chat room on a gaming site was able to get documents that where he spent time in a military base, evidently, take pictures, maps and charts and share it with this group. One breaches confidence. It ends up in a bigger group, then ends up on um, 4chan, then ends up on Telegram. And now it's one of the major embarrassments of American intelligence. What are your thoughts
9: I mean, Brian, I mean this quite literally. Is there anything that would surprise you at this point related to our government, related to leaks, related to coordinating things that get out to the media, related to you know one random guy jumping on Discord and putting information out there and then how that information travels? This, this story doesn't surprise me. I think there's, we're going to probably find out a lot more about it. What I'm honestly most concerned about is not the leaks specifically and, and what's in the documents. What I'm concerned about now is an extension of what we've seen over the last year related to the Twitter files and so much more, which is that the government will now probably use this as an excuse to either shut down sites or uh, you know, survey sites a little bit more, be watching sites a bit more, and – Possibly tracking people 's data, listening to their conversations, and a whole bunch more, so it, it, this is one of those things where we 're opening up a, a pandora 's box and like most things in America these days, it will not work out that well for the american people
3: but to think a twenty year old could be on a military base, get security clearance, be able to leave with that information
4: and yeah, be able absolutely.
3: to post it, or rewrite it in real time, post it, and be a mentor to twenty uh, to eight some teenagers who seem to be lonely. Listen to some of these accounts of what happened. By the way, how unbelievable is it that Washington Post is getting to talk to this guy? The New York Times gets documents from this guy. And so far, we have not even broken who was in that small 20-person clubhouse. Listen to this guy who's a friend of the leaker. Cut one.
6: He is not a Russian operative. He is not a Ukrainian operative. I'll go as far to say he's not even on the east side of the world. Any claims that he is a Russian operative or pro-Russian is categorically false. He is not interested in helping any foreign agencies with their attack on the U.S. or other countries. But
3: he knew what he was doing. Cut to
6: the documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal.
3: So we're talking about things that let us reveal that we're spying on South Korea, we're spying on Israel. we we'll would be able to get it, listen in on Russian conversations as Vladimir Putin, according to the New York Times, was refereeing between the Wagner Group and regular military, the FSB. Uh, it was Putin that called them all together. We know all this. Uh, this is pretty incredible. We see that South Korea, the Polish leader, was pressuring uh, the U.S. to get Joe Biden to pick up the phone and pressure South Korea to provide some type of uh, ammunition to a fellow ally in Ukraine, and he wasn't going to do it. So just this interplay, we found that Egypt was going to sell on a backdoor way, Russians, this this uh, hardware. So all this stuff is out there. How are we ever going to be trusted again on the global scene?
9: Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we may just be entering this stage of the Internet. We may be entering a, a new stage related to information and the ability for states to have secrets. You know, I, I'm a believer in transparency as a general rule. And, and Brian, obviously, you know, my feelings about about free speech and the importance of societies to be able to communicate honestly with true information about things. Uh, but I also do believe that states are allowed to have some degree of state secrets. There are, there are things that the general populace Absolutely. cannot know about. At all times related to absolutely every military or intelligence-related thing. I think the problem is right now for for an awful lot of people. I'm seeing a lot of this online. They're not concerned about any of the leaks because their feeling is our government is now so corrupt that if this exposes it further, that that actually is good. I, I think there's some legitimacy to that argument, uh, but you know we have to be wary of you know once everything is fully out there. Uh, and we really all see how the sausage is made. It, it might be jarring for, for pretty much everybody.
3: David, it's so interesting that you project further where we're going to be in a few months when people start going into chat rooms uh, and saying, well, we have no choice. You guys were talking about – you were talking about national defense, or so you're for or against the Ukraine war. We had to find out what Dave Rubin right. was talking about with Michael Schellenberger. So you, I know you're part of the Twitter file situation where they brought you in, right? Yeah. Yep. So – Matt Taibbi, I guess, is out because – well, shouldn't be out because he's off Twitter because there's a problem with Substack and Twitter. Uh, I heard Joe Rogan talk to Michael Schellenberger, and I thought in a half hour they really boiled down to what this is about, that after the U.S. and the war on terror wound down – and we're still trying to find out what ISIS and uh, and al-Qaeda is up to all the time. They're looking to do something with this information. Next thing you know – after Brexit, it freaked them out. It freaked them out that the people, the people would do something as they thought irrational as break mm-hmm. from the European Union. Then out comes tr- uh, Trump using Facebook and and social media to, to upset Hillary Clinton. And we know what happened with uh, the Russia hoax and everything that went down from there. And then t- uh, putting your hand on the scale when it came to the 2020 uh, election. And Michael Schellenberg just talked about how this cycled and – And what we were able to witness, what is your takeaway as you've got inside Twitter in the cyber world? Yeah, well, it's
9: interesting. You know, Schellenberger, what's most fascinating about this guy is he's a lifelong lefty. I mean, this is a guy who still, if I'm not mistaken, lives in San Francisco and is trying to fix that dystopian nightmare. So, you know, a lot of people are looking at him like, oh, he's on Rogan now and he seems to be liked a little bit more by conservatives. As if, as if that's somehow a bad thing, which, of course, I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, but the point is that this is not a partisan guy, uh, as the whole mainstream media tries to treat Elon as if he's you know, some sort of far-right maniac or something. Uh, I think, in essence, what we're finding out here is basically what Schellenberger laid out to Rogan is true. The security state needed something to do, basically, and started looking at us. And we are now the ones being investigated, and oh, you went to this school board and you talked to this person and, and the rest of it. So we have to be very wary of that. I, I'm deeply concerned that these machines are, are so ingrained in our society right now that these, uh, these industries basically exist to, to data mine about us, and you, know, at some level. You know, there's a certain sci-fi element to this. If you think about Terminator or The Matrix, it's sort of like the machines are on, the algorithms are on. They know more about our click habits than in some ways we know about ourselves. You know, you're just scrolling Twitter or you're on Facebook or whatever all day long. They're monitoring in some essence what you're doing. They say they're monitoring metadata. So they're not looking at the specifics of what you're doing, but the patterns of what you're doing. But in some ways they then can decide, okay, you'll see this video. We could maybe push you to believe this or you won't see uh, this particular opinion, so you won't be exposed to that idea. And we're, we're all now within that. And then, Brian, when you throw in what's going on with ChatGPT and AI, where in essence you know, organ, uh, information is being organized and spit back at us as if it's authoritative, but we're quickly finding out that ChatGPT uh, has a massive, massive far left bias. Uh, we have a major, major problem on our hands and and it may be just that we are too deep in this thing to turn it around and then you throw uh well of course with ai what you're next going to get is all these deep fakes and and a whole bunch more and uh it's on the way man whether we like it or not
3: so here's uh elon musk is now enemy number one with the so-called uh mainstream media like for example he decides to sit down with the bbc and they're focusing on his twitter And what he did, he said, basically, it had three months to live when I took it over. It's only made money, two years in the history of Twitter. It's only made money. He cut uh, 60% of the workforce, uh, thousands of people, and it's still running fine. And he thinks he righted the ship. But listen to this agenda-driven reporter get nailed. Cut 35. Well, you've asked
10: me me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. I'd say it's got slightly more. That's Um, why
5: I'm asking for examples,
10: Can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. Use, I, I, honestly, you I don't can't use, name a I, single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore because I, I just don't particularly like it. But and you said actually, a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only. Well, I only well, look well at my, hang on a second. Followers. You said and you've seen followers.
2: more hateful content, but you can't name a
10: single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and I. Well, I, then, I'm how did you I'm, see the hateful content? content? Because I've been, I've been using, I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have, at some point, seen that you for you hateful content. And I'm asking for one example.
2: Right. And you I, can't I, give a single I, one. I, and, and, and I'm saying, I, 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 then I, I say so that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high.
1: Well, right.
3: and, that's and the thing point. is, the thing is, this guy's mind is so open. If this guy had four or five <laughs> examples. He probably would have said, well, you know what? I probably should have taken that down or what's hateful about it. But this guy had nothing. But isn't that typical of the attacks without substance? uh, It's so perfect. It's like chef's kiss moment. Close down the
9: Internet. This is exactly what the media does with everything. They run with these narrative stories as if they're true and then when they get the slightest pushback they fold like a wet paper bag. You know, I can tell you from being on Twitter for for a decade at this point, there are times when I get a ton of hate, there are times when I get a ton of love, sometimes it's a little bit of both. I actually personally have seen the hate go down significantly since Elon has taken over but that's just anecdotal obviously but i would i would definitely say that since he has taken over one of the fascinating things that's happened is he has really cracked down on the child porn problem on Twitter, which there has been a massive problem with. And it's interesting because suddenly when he took over, there were all these articles, you know, Elon's not doing enough about child porn. Meanwhile, they were doing nothing about it before Elon and nobody was writing about it. So all of these mainstream corporate press outlets, whether it's the BBC or it's NBC News or whatever, they have an agenda, which is they don't like Twitter now because Twitter is the one social media platform besides Rumble, which is on the way up, That they do not control and what they want more than anything else is control and and brian you know i was at twitter a couple months ago i sat with elon i sat with a bunch of programmers for hours hours and hours no limitations on anything and we hadn't agreed on anything whether i was even going to say anything publicly about it i said to him it was about two in the morning and i said to him at the end i said hey do you mind if i you know put out a twitter thread about what i've seen here and without hesitation he said to me as long as it's true what what other CEO of a company would do that, regardless of whether yeah. it was big tech or banking or a freaking sneaker company? Who would do that? Like, yes, anything you've heard here, he had no idea how many engineers I talked to and everything else. So that tells you what they fear. They fear that transparency, and they fear that they're losing narrative control.
3: 6,500 people, to down to 1,800 people, and uh, now they, they said they had three months to live. He was able to save it, and he said it's been very painful, but he thinks he's got it on the right track now. And I think it's helped it's helped this world, the cyber world, social media world immeasurably. Uh, And I just think people have somewhere to go now. It's amazing. Even though he's got this major social media platform, uh, even though he's not a Republican and he has the most successful electric car company on the planet. He is persona non grata at the White House. Final thought.
9: Yeah, what what a darn shame. I mean, they care more about, you know, divert co-diversity, I would say, and equity and all of this nonsense as opposed to bringing people into the administration or industry leaders who are at the top of their game. Let's not forget, not only is what he's doing with Twitter, but as you said, what he's doing with Tesla, what he's doing with Neuralink and Starlink and everything this guy touches. He he turns into gold. Wouldn't this guy be the exact type of person you would want involved in in thought processes related to the government? And yet he's the one pushed out. Even when it comes to electric cars, they're bringing in everybody else except the guy that has put – the best product on the market. I have a Tesla myself. It, it is true engineering marvel.
3: Dave Rubin, thanks so much. Uh, check out his uh, podcast, uh, The Rubin Report. Dave, yours is the best. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. 1-866-408-7669. I'll take your calls next. Spot of the hour, we'll go inside this war in the Intelligence leak. Don't move. you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, let's go to Matt Lison, WK WKWXJB. Uh, hey, Matt.
5: Hey, Brian. Great show this morning. Um, so basically what I want to say is um, this, this problem with this week, not that I agree with it at all, it, it's detrimental to our country, our security, and all of that. But this starts at the top. Biden's administration has started this this ideology of of uh, allowing the woke uh, youth um, and, and that that works within to um, do the to be empowered. Okay, uh, we've got corporal cleaner taking over the military, um, and 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 the guys that want to go into the military that want to fight for this country are being pushed out I know. to allow. It, it, to Matt, I keep belief. hearing that. I hear
3: that from so many people serving. They're basically discouraged from staying on, staying, continuing their service uh, because they just want to serve. They want to fight. They want to be there. Don't worry about it. You don't have to come back. Not only is recruiting off, the messaging off, the ads terrible, but the people that are there are uh, are not encouraged to stay. It makes no sense. If I was president, I'd be knocking heads. Austin would be in my office, and i want to get an explanation. Instead, he's asking Irish kids what they think of Jesse Helms in Ireland. Children. And Hunter Biden's there to tell him what state he's from. Not him, but Jesse Helms. Uh, You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show when we come back inside this war effort. Eldred Colby and more. Don't move.
2: his mouth to your ears, ears. It's Brian Kilmeade.
6: The
3: Chinese military exercises uh, these couple of days have been uh, very serious. Uh, they're coming very close to Taiwan. And any accident might spark an uncontrollable war in between Taiwan and China. And if other countries are trying to intervene, uh, it might be the start of a uh, war of uh, grand scale. Yeah, uh, the Taiwanese are worried. They say by a two-to-one margin, they think that Nancy Pelosi going over there six months ago made things worse. And, of course, showing some strength uh, going over to visit Taiwan, welcoming the Taiwanese president to California and New York. Uh, aggravated the Chinese I don't think we should live or die by what the Chinese want ever they are truly our rival but we should be prepared to defend and fight and deal with the ramifications and this administration doesn't seem to be able to we don't get a coherent uh, game plan from the secretary of state our president is shaking hands over an island looking at bricks and churches uh, and golf courses and meeting with children at a time in which we're in absolute crisis uh, in Taiwan in particular as well as a diplomatic crisis with China, and we have some leadership coming from Senate and House, but we're not getting it from the White House. Joining us now to discuss this is uh, Eld, uh, Elbridge Colby, Deputy Secretary, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Strategy and Force Development from 2017 to 2018, uh, with the and principal of the Marathon Institute Initiative. Uh, Eldridge, welcome. It's great to be with you, Brian. So I'm just amazed. It's like a zombie presidency. We have all these opportunities and necessities for leadership, and I'm not seeing any of it. Are you?
11: Well, I'm seeing a, a huge mismatch between a sort of rhetoric and reality. We talk a lot about China, um, but we're not acting anywhere near the level of seriousness. And, you know, the way I think about it, Brian, is I don't know if you remember Rocky IV, but the beginning uh, where, you know, uh, Dolph Lundgren, the Soviet guy, is all business, and he's training in the snow and, you know, all that. And then Apollo Creed's wasting his time, and then he dances around the ring, and Dolph Lundgren clocks him and kills him in the ring. And that's what I'm concerned about. Now, I agree with you that our leaders should not be should not be sort of of Getting their cues from Beijing, but I also think we are in a very, very, very dangerous time, and we need to have a sort of seriousness and sobriety and, 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 and a realism about what we can and can't do. And I think that's you know the administration is falling down on that. There are people and there are entities in the administration that are trying to do the right thing, but as you said, President Biden, he's he's over in Ireland. He's doing high fives. He's having photo ops. That's not that's not what needs to happen. Why hasn't he, for instance, done a lot more to to catalyze the defense industrial base? You know that we know is a huge problem that kind of thing hasn't happened yet and that's that's the real problem because in a sense the worst situation to be in is to be peacocking when you're on you know potentially vulnerable we should be hitting the gym
3: i love your examples and you never fail with me when you use a rocky analogy because i believe that everything goes back to at least one rocky there's so much to learn my
11: wife agrees with you yeah Yeah. she loves you know
3: so i mean uh apollo should not have been in the ring anyway he was retired you don't take on uh, a big robot like that, but we could always. You know, there's always a few. There would be no creed if there was no. Uh, there would need be no creed to uh, one, two, and three if there was none of that. But here's young Kim talked about what Taiwan's experiencing. The fact is, three years ago, they ordered weapons, defensive weapons. They paid for it. They have not gotten it yet. Cut 15. Things are heating up, it seems. But when we talk to President Tsai and government and military officials in Taiwan, nobody wants war. Nobody wants conflict in the region, in the Taiwan Strait. Mm-hmm. What they're asking is they have the will to fight and defend themselves, just like the Ukrainians did. But right. they need help. What they're asking the United States to do is we need to deliver the arms that they pay for yeah. and purchase 19 billion dollars backlog in uh, arms that yeah. we didn't deliver. So that's what we need to do first. Oh, Bridget, they didn't ask for a discount. They wanted to pay that. Where is this stuff? Yeah, it's
11: a huge problem. I mean, again, a lot of this goes back years and years and decisions that were made, say, in the 90s to, to, to sort of, you know, our defense industrial base atrophied after the Cold War for reasons that were understandable 20, 30 years ago, but we're in a much different world. We should have been after this a long time ago. And we're still, the administration's still not clearly prioritizing uh, Taiwan arms deliveries, and they have paid for it. I mean, I think we need to be more serious. We need to be more rigorous and more focused. But I do think the Taiwanese also need to. I, I I'm not as Um, frankly, as positive about the level of urgency on the island of Taiwan among the people there as I think it needs to be, because I think my view is Taiwan is worth defending, but it's not, you know, it's something we can't break our spear there. The analogy I like to use, if you'll forgive me, Brian, is Winston Churchill wanted to send a whole bunch of RAF aircraft to help the French as as the front was collapsing in 1940, but the RAF said, if you do that, we can't protect the home islands. And that's the same kind of logic here. we got to have – the Taiwanese have to be able to step up and defend themselves, and we have – we've seen a lot of talk, frankly – but we're not seeing like for, they spend less as a proportion of their GDP than we do. That's completely unacceptable given the scale of the China fight. And one thing I would just softly disagree with the congresswoman about is there is somebody who potentially wants a war, and that's the People's Republic. I mean, they are deadly in earnest preparing for war. They've got a huge industrial base. Their their troops are preparing, and Xi Jinping's openly talking about it. So if you're sitting in Taiwan, they may not want a war. But as Trotsky said about communism, you know, you may not be interested in the conflict, but the conflict may be interested in you.
3: So with the people listening right now, if we had – let's say we had the wherewithal. They got the $19 billion worth of equipment, able to get the defensive weapons in there. We have a handful of Marines on board. Maybe we'll get some more and get some more training in to make it the porcupine that they could be. If they were doing it, for people listening right now, why, why should they care about Taiwan? How does it affect America?
11: Really, really practical, Brian. Thanks for asking because I think this is the nub of the issue because taking on China is a is the, the huge consequential decision. I think the reasons are – it's basically about the future of the world and the future of Asia, What China's ambitions will not end uh, if they conquer Taiwan. And we know that. And I wrote a piece in the Japanese press last week in Nikkei about this point. You know why we know? Obviously, Xi Jinping talks about it, but they're building a military to go way beyond Taiwan. If Taiwan falls too Very bad things will happen for the United States. One, our coalition could just fall apart, and the only way we're going to stand up to China and prevent it from dominating Asia is through a coalition because people won't believe us. And secondly, they'll break right out of what's called the first island chain of Japan, Taiwan, and the Philippines, if you look at a map. And they'll be, you know, people think Leyte Gulf, Philippine Sea battles, Midway, Saipan were a long time ago. We could be thinking about that kind of stuff again. In fact, the Chinese, in their military literature, are thinking about the Battle of Midway. So we shouldn't be deluded. Why is that important for America? Americans, because if China controls Asia, basically, the geoeconomic, if you think about it, that kind of broad market area, that's well over 50 percent of the future global economy. They are definitely going to undermine our lives here at home, our economic prosperity and our political liberties. We're going to become a lot poorer. We're going to become a lot, a lot less free. And that's a very re- real reality. And think about what President Macron of France just did while China is just the Chinese economy. He went and kowtowed to Xi Jinping. Imagine what the Europeans and the Middle Easterners and the Latin Americans are going going to do if China's that dominant, there's there's very low likelihood they're going to stand with us. This is going to be a terrible, terrible situation. And the problem is, this is a hard call. This is a really tough military problem, but it is feasible. And the point is, it's better to stand here, which is where we've decided that we should stand since 1945. It's not easy. It's not a great choice. I wish we didn't have to make it, but it's not going to get any easier. We're probably going to have to do worse things if Taiwan falls. The key, though, Brian, and I think especially for us on the right side of the spectrum, is we've got to focus on Taiwan. There's been a lot of rhetoric, and we got we to gotta deal with reality. We probably haven't been spending enough on defense for the last 10 or 15 years, but here's where we are. And Xi Jinping's talking about 2027. It's not a prediction. We don't know. But that we, you know, how much warning do you need, right? I mean, to go back to a rocky analogy, I mean, does a guy need to punch you in the face before you take him seriously? I think that we have plenty to be worried about this happening in the next couple of years. We got to deal with the, with the reality of where we are.
3: You know, it's interesting. Sylvester Stallone told us a couple of months ago that he was the bad guy. On Rocky IV, because the Cold War was melting. We were coming together right. with Gorbachev, and he goes, you guys, now you have this hit movie that talks about the Cold War again, makes the Russians look bad. Just talk about it at the different time it was, but I thought you'd enjoy that. So just to build on what you said, Chinese warned the Philippines yesterday that the military ties of the U.S. will eventually backfire because we had these massive, supposedly massive military exercises over the last few days. Here's what Jack Keen says happens when we war game it out and what we have to worry about with the Chinese.
8: We don't fit right in terms of the kind of war that we're going to experience there, a high-tech war. Our surface fleet is very vulnerable. If it moves in where it can be effective, where its missiles and airplanes can range China's capability, those surface ships are going to be destroyed as high-capital assets on a scale we have never even seen or experienced during World War II. The Chinese will swarm anti-ship missiles and hypersonic missiles at those ships. If we stand them off where they're out of range, then our fighters cannot reach the coast and our missiles cannot range China either. So they're not making any contribution.
3: So if we move them back, then they can't reach us, then we can't fight. So we have to come up with something. In the meantime, I think this is the good news. The American people are on board. We get it. I think Republicans and Democrats are working together in a way I haven't seen in a really long time, really, since right after 9-11. You talk about they're, they're serving willingly on this China Select Committee. Uh, they're coming together on TikTok and on different things. I don't like the Restrict Act, but I like that they came together and, and recognized the threat. So if you are a true leader, Hellbridge, you will recognize this opportunity to, to capitalize on it.
11: I think you're exactly right on that, Brian. I, I think there is a lot of encouraging movement together in Congressman Gallagher's leadership, uh, along with with his Democratic partner or co-chair on that, is is very encouraging. But I think we gotta not spike the football yet. We're just at the beginning of our well, training regimen. I'm and I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up General Keane because General Keane and Senator Graham wrote a piece in Fox News yesterday that I think implicitly was critical of the, the point of view of people like me, which is that we need to focus on Asia. I take what Gen- I think General Keene is exactly right. We are in bad shape in the Pacific, and but. This this is the most important thing. I think we all agree, as you just said, Brian, China's the big priority. Okay, well, we got to live with that reality. I wish it weren't so. He wishes it weren't so. We wish we had maybe a two-war military or something, which means you could fight multiple wars at the same time. We don't. And, and we can argue about whose fault that is, but we got to live in the here and now. And the critical thing is the, the way that we can deal with it. We got to narrow the problem. A lot of this is about the right missiles, munitions, artillery, you know, air defense systems. And we know that those are in short supply. I mean, this, is, this, has, been, this has been reported now. So, you know, my view is we should support the Ukrainians, but we have got to prior- genuinely prioritize China and Taiwan because I think what the Chinese are probably trying to do is bog us down in the Ukraine. And I know that's not as stirring in some ways, but I think the American people are owed a real kind of frankly realism and grappling with the real problem. And I think if we if we can get the if we can hold the line and avoid a war on good terms, avoid the the, the way to prevent the Chinese from attacking Taiwan is for them to see they'll fail. Mao Zedong, he wanted to get after Taiwan in 1951, but he knew he couldn't get after it because Dwight Eisenhower was right there. That's the kind of mindset that we need. We got it. We got to take what General Keane's saying about the problem, but we also got to lead, take that where, you know, if we don't have enough money to spend on both fixing the kitchen and plugging, you know, a massive leak, you fix the leak first.
3: No, it's so interesting. Is remember, Chiang Kai-shek was the guy. He was the guy we were backing. And he right. fled to Taiwan. And I always wondered, never really researched heavily, you know, why didn't Mao go for the kill? Because he, we stopped it. Yeah.
11: It's an interesting story. Originally, Truman was going to let him go, He was going to let Chiang Kai-shek go, and the the communists were preparing to, to cross, but then they launched the Korean War, and Truman said, I'm going to put the Seventh Fleet in. So it's it's a good example of how history has these twists and turns, and here we are a long time later, and I think one of the things we should say, communicate to the Chinese is, you lost Taiwan because you intervened and you, you, you launched the Korean War. You don't know what's going to happen if you attack uh, Taiwan, but it's certainly not going to be we're not going to make it better for you, and that's the kind of message, but the, the critical root of that is, Brian, to your point, is we had the Seventh Fleet, and the Chinese had nothing, and they, that's the reason we've, people talk about Kissinger and Nixon, I'm a big admirer of them in a lot of ways, but the real reason that's kept the peace over the Taiwan Strait the last 70 years, dramatic U.S. military support superiority in the Air and Naval Department, and that's what the Chinese have been working to undermine, unfortunately, very successfully over the last 25 years.
3: Yeah, very interesting, because it also is a big symbol of what China could become if they had- had freedom, if they had a free market, if they had the ability to travel. They see Taiwan as an example, and the government hates it, Mm -hmm. but the people must be wondering how the hell are they doing it? Their quality of life is so much better, their resources are so much less, but yet uh, they continue to thrive, and on a practical note, they have 90% of the world's chips, Uh, so we can't let them be absorbed by our, our chief economic and military enemy. Elbridge, thanks so much.
11: Thanks, Brian. Pleasure.
3: All right. When we come back, we'll take your calls. one 408 7669 So interesting. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: When I went to the courthouse, which is also a prison in a sense, uh, they signed me in. And I'll tell you, people were crying. People that worked there.
2: Brian. Yes. You, while we were listening to the interview, said I
7: was.
3: You, you completely bought that everybody was crying. You even said that. Was, <laughs> 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 There's no... Uh, okay. Uh, I find it hard to believe in New York City at the courthouse they were weeping. Uh, I don't think Ron DeSantis had tears in his eyes begging for a tweet to endorse him as governor. But what he's doing is he's underlining the situation that everyone really loves him and he's mm-hmm. being railroaded. But uh, <laughs> as I mentioned to Kellyanne in the green room, because you're so busy going over your other show, The Five, yes. we had a chance to talk. Um, we were just going over the green room. He seems like he's having a good time, Trump. Mm-hmm. Number two is the best line of that interview was, I shouldn't say this, but the Chinese interpreter, very attractive. Attractive, yes! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, I was said, I, yeah, that was the best line! I forgot about that. Yeah. That was so good. It was, I, I mean, he's really say. attractive. Yeah, really, He yeah, repeated it. Oh, would you yeah, that But, Tucker, don't get me sidetracked. Let me get back to you. So, I do think that was uh, last night on Gutfeld. But, in fact, do you want to hear it? Uh, he, this is what Donald Trump said while he was trying to describe his first meeting with President Xi.
0: So, when I dealt with President Xi, I was with him the whole weekend. He had an incredible, I, I'm not allowed to say it because it's very impolite and very politically incorrect, a beautiful female interpreter. She was very beautiful. Today, if you say it, they'll say, This is terrible. You're not allowed to say that. But she was very professional. She spoke every word for him. Very professional. Had another couple of them too, but
3: she was there. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything, right? I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Really, uh listen, I walked into this club. It was on fire. I'll tell you, the woman that came running out first. Uh, really attractive. Uh, she was screaming for a life. Her child was inside, but she was very attractive. I shouldn't say that. But I mean, yeah, three people were mugged. I got to the scene. The one person that wasn't mugged, very hot, great body. Uh, but listen, I shouldn't say that because, you know, people were beat up and mugged and, lost, and were robbed. But the first person who wasn't mugged, very attractive, but, uh, you know, it's a very bad thing to say. It's just, you have to, you have to stay with the program, with the, pre, with the former president of the United States. Whose poll numbers, he's up in South Carolina, he's up in New Hampshire, he's up in Iowa, he's up nationally. Now, I talked to Chris Nunu this morning, the governor of uh, New Hampshire, I thought as a legitimate shout would be a totally different choice. And he's not anti-Trump, he just doesn't think Trump can win. He said he was a real good president, but his time is done. That's his philosophy. Tell me if you think it'll work. Uh, he said, we've got to see if DeSantis is ready for primetime, and we're going to see there's no way that uh, these polls matter. He goes, the polls not going to matter till the fall and maybe after the debate in August. I don't know if I agree with that. I do think what polls do is show momentum. And when that weird one pops up at the Q poll or a, a Reuters poll that shows something totally different, you kind of lay out and you say, well, I wonder if something's going to mirror that. But what the president's doing so far is not making any major mistakes, not having lunch any white supremacists. That's all you can ask. But today, part of the problem. Back in New York, politically motivated, the attorney general will question him for hours about what she claims is massive fraud with, the fraud with his organization. Now, am might not hurt him if there's eight people in the Republican primary. But in the general, is a big thing. And that's what I looked at. Independence thought, recognized that the Alvin Bragg situation was political, but still— over 50% said they were supportive of the indictment, even though they knew it was political. Not Democrats, independents. Now, the president's got a real good team around, the foreign president. If he's going to win, he's got to answer that question.
2: From atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48 and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Where, listen to this study in New York City. They did a study. They asked the people of New York, what do you think about uh, staying? They say 27% said they will be leaving within five years. You wonder. And their answer is to, to jack up the taxes and everyone left. And by the way, 14,000-plus by this time last year had already left for Florida. This time it's already 10,000 have already left. In a matter of moments, we're going to be uh, talking to Tim Stewart about how you'd power yourself to leave in the future. You have to plug in first, then pack up your electric car and go. He's president of U.S. Oil & Gas, and we want to go over what the president announced yesterday and the impact on American life. John Levine here, too. New York Post writer all over the Hunter Biden story. Major revelations this week as Hunter travels with his dad on a family vacation instead of running the country. Big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know. It's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com.
0: Number three. 93% of new cars sold are gas-powered cars. Uh, electric cars are so popular. The government has to mandate them and subsidize them. Look, this whole rule is a is a failure.
3: Uh, no kidding. Steve Malloy, uh, uh, Malloy weighing in. EV madness. The agenda-driven administration sacrifices our national security to China as they mandate a rapid flip to electric cars. Where are the batteries made? Where are the rare? Where's the where Earth found? You guessed it, China. We're going to debate the affordability and folly of this crazy quest.
0: Number two.
4: Once again, we are close allies to the U.S. Uh, Vis-à-vis China, the European strategy is quite clear. We don't want to have any decoupling from China because we really think that this is an illusion, but we want to de-risk from China.
3: Yeah, here we go. Red China threat rising, a betrayal explained in a president on a family vacation. That's the state of America's foreign policy and the challenges as turbulence rises around the world.
5: Number
6: one. The documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal.
3: Clues to the breach, the biggest breach of intel, not from a cyber thief, a brilliant Russian, uh, a very sophisticated Chinese uh, member of their intelligence apparatus, but it turns out a young, so-called charismatic gun enthusiast, male, looking to impress a bunch of teenagers. It seems to be on a military base. The documents are legit. It started months ago, and the pain... Is not done. Hundreds of documents still out there about to be released into the public mainstream, and we don't have the guy. The reason I have the details is because of the Washington Post and New York Times. Better than the FBI at tracking down other people in his small social media uh, cubbyhole. Let's talk about the other major story. Even though this is major news, the President of the United States didn't think he should announce it. Michael Regan, one of the most talented guys in this administration, by the way, the EPA administrator, came out and announced such strict tailpipe regulations that he believes that he's forcing every American to think about buying an electric car. They want 70 percent of us to have an electric car within nine years. Tim Stewart's president of U.S. Oil and Gas. Tim, what's your reaction to these new emission standards and the president's quest
12: well, when you've got 87% of Americans who haven't embraced this sort of utopian approach and they they say they either can't afford or they're not going to buy an EV, EV, this rule is designed, Ryan, to punish them until they understand that this is for their own good, don't you think? I mean, these these regulations essentially regulate cars with combustible engines out of business by making these rules so stringent that automakers just can't afford to comply and so they'll force them into this transformation of the automotive industry. And, you know, the fact of the matter is socialists are going to socialists and socialists say get in line and either the bread line or the gulag. And so they're telling automakers to get in line. And it's bad for the rest of us to do that.
3: Well, our grids aren't carbon free. The batteries, we have no way to get rid of them. We don't have the rare earth or we refuse to mine it here. China has locked up most of Africa and the Congo. So they pretty much run things over there. They um, uh, they have other rare earth themselves and they are the chief battery maker, so we're going to be subservient to them, and we don't have yeah. the power stations. So that led here's Michael Reagan, Regan, the administrator. Let's listen.
11: Most EV batteries right now are produced in China. Um, so how do you balance the administration's climate goals while also trying to achieve its goal of reducing reliance on China?
10: Uh, that's, that's a great question. And so we, we look at it in, in, in twofold. We have to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, this proposal doesn't kick in till model year 2027. 20, uh, uh, so we've got some years to ramp up. We hope that we can take advantage of of that runway.
3: Yeah, take advantage of that runway. We don't have a—we right. haven't paved the runway. There's no pathway there. There's no incentive on manufacturing. Government's not going to bring it here. And again, the problem with the EVs, and you're not a car expert, but oil and gas— is that a small fender bender could cost you $25,000. Because if, uh, if you damage the battery, that's how much they cost. And every five right. years, you rotate it out. The average person listening to us who lives paycheck to paycheck can't afford these cars initially, and it can't buy a used because the battery is going to be gone in five to seven years.
12: So I can speak from experience. I actually own an EV and yesterday I got the bill from from the shop and I'm looking at a $5,000 repair bill wow. and a month for parts because my son took the car out in a snowstorm last week and damaged the drive train when he slid into the curb. This is this, you know, it's more than walking chewing gum, okay? This is this is a classic uh sort of utopian uh, EPA approach, which is oh, we can make this happen because we want it to happen. The reality is, is look, fuel economy standards were implemented in 1975 in response to the oil embargo, and we and we had we had we were relying on foreign oil for our energy security. It took us four decades to get off that. When you have 80 percent of the global supply chain, most of the batteries and materials, of the rare is controlled by China, and there's no plan to change that, other than chewing and walking, you know, walking and chewing gum at the same time. You know, we can subsidize factories to build batteries in the US, but we can't get the raw materials to manufacture parts and it's no value. EPA is essentially mandating that US energy security be completely reliant on China by no later than twenty thirty two. We've gone from relying on OPEC. To energy independence, to rely on China for our future energy security in my lifetime, and I'm not that old. This is this is horrible policy, and brought me paying the price for it.
3: You know, we're not trying to pan for gold. We have this natural resource, oil and gas, Tim Stewart, and we have not even replenished the strategic oil reserve. And we watch the uh, Saudis cut production to help Russia uh, and China, so they're cutting production on the world market. What's it doing to the price?
12: Well, you know, and this is part of the plan overall. I mean, at this point, it's going to take them seven to ten years to really fully replenish the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. But if they figure that they're moving 80 percent of the new vehicles to EB, they don't need to do that. And so the Petroleum Reserve isn't an issue to them anymore because it's been overcome, overtaken by these more glorious events that have been laid out. So... But we are we are in uh, we are one twentieth of what our capacity is there, and uh, it it is really really frightening because there are a lot of global events that will happen before we ever make this full transition to EVs,
3: uh, and the world too. So Tim, what is the state of oil and gas right now, and and what is your what is your response when people say they're still making a great profit?
12: Well, you know, and we're also yeah we're also paying much higher wages. We're, we we've been hit with the same inflationary pressures that everybody else has. The U.S. producers have done a really good job, and we will never get credit from this administration. But, if you, you know, Carl, when you and I were talking a year ago, the issue was you got to ramp up. you got to get up there. And we did. And our production is going to hit pretty, you know, almost near record levels this year so long as the economy remains strong. But the reality is uh, our refining infrastructure is still weak, and the administration has not done anything to help help the refiners on that side. Um, and we're, you know, we're in a good position to keep providing a product for the American people, but if the if the Biden administration says that in seven years there's no need for gasoline, um, it's going to cause us to re- reconfigure our investment as well. We're still going to need petrochemicals, we're going to need plastics for these cars, and the fact of the matter is they're going to need us for the next hundred years until they kind of subs- they find substitutes for all the materials that are going go on these cars.
3: So I want you to hear, this is good news for you, they, what Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank said. Listen.
0: At the end of the day, we can make our own energy here very clean. We haven't built a refinery in America in decades because we can't
12: permit it. You know, I don't think, I wasn't going to, I was planning on saying this, but I'm at that stage in my life where I want to do something big. And the task that I've decided I'm going to take on is I'm going to build a refinery in America. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to syndicate the 14th. <laughs> I don't know why I broke it here. But it's
0: going to cost about 14 billion dollars. I'm going to syndicate that debt and that equity. I'm going to find a state that wants to work with me.
12: I'm going to get a permit and we're going to do the right thing for America. We have to have more refineries. That's the key. How's that? You know, the shark is smart, and the shark follows the smart money. The smart money stays with the oil and gas industry, and, you know, we'll back him 100%. Getting that permit is probably going to require a different administration, so he may be waiting for a year or two. But, uh, again, Kevin, I, I don't know him, but they get, the smart money stays with the industry, and that's been proven over the last two years when the administration was trying to make us go away in January of 21.
3: Here is the host of Power Hungry Podcast, Robert Bryce. He put in perspective the practicality of what they're doing. Cut 23.
2: The average price of a new EV is $58,000. Who's buying EVs? It's the Benz and Beamer crowd. These numbers are very well known. The average household income for an EV buyer is $140,000 a year. That's twice the national average household income. This is very much a class issue. And it's not just about the affordability of the vehicles themselves. It's about the upgrades uh, to the grid that we're all going to have to pay for through the rate base and through our taxes. So what is this going to require? Massive upgrades to the electric grid that are going to be rate-based and then make every rate payer will have to pay for these upgrades. And these upgrades are going to be very expensive because the grid simply isn't ready
3: to handle all this new demand. That's how you do it. And the president's not even around to back it up. They don't even have people around to take a series of questions to pound them into this. And and these new emission standards are just going to be impossible to comply with. Uh, Tim, we thought we'd have permitting reform at the very least. But among the people disappointed Joe Manchin, some people have combined it. I think what came out of the House is they'll combine it with permitting for windmills, too. Hey, well, speed up the windmill permitting. If you speed up the oil and gas drilling, whatever happened with that?
12: Well, it's still, uh, you know, they, the Senate is going to be taking it up here by the by the end of the year, hopefully, because it has to be done. But can I point something out nobody's talking about? This is really interesting. The Department of Interior last week announced they're going to put a brand-new emphasis in regulatory form on conservation and management of the public lands. What that will do is actually, that actually will kill a dozen or more large scale renewable projects that were planned to be sited on public lands because they haven't taken in to consideration the conservation impacts. So this is one hand not knowing what the other hand is doing. Permitting reform is crucial. And we are linked at the hip on this uh, with the renewables and the oil and gas industry are both linked at the hip that uh, if you are, that we have got to have permits if we want to function in a, in a, in industrial society, we've got to be able to get get the permits done to do what we need to do. And yet, your the administration itself is keeps nailing with their foot to the floor, trying to accomplish things like this.
3: Amazing, Tim Stewart. Thanks so much.
12: Appreciate it. Great, Brian. Thanks. Appreciate it.
3: You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We go inside the Hunter situation. We come back, but also straight ahead when we return. The latest on the investigation into the biggest leak that I can remember, bigger than Snowden, bigger than Chelsea Handler and Wikileaks. Brian Kilmeade's show. Don't move.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: There certainly is, as the CI director was saying, some concern as to what else is out there. Um, because the, usually someone doesn't just take just a handful of documents, uh, and we'll have to learn as this goes on whether or not we have additional vulnerabilities that we have to address. This is espionage. If it's an American, they're a traitor. They'll be brought to justice, um, and we're going to continue the, the search so that we can plug this leak and keep our secrets safe.
3: So they were able to get inside this one chat room, this gaming chat room, where about 20 people were, and the guy that was the, uh, emerged as a leader had intel access and was able, over the course of months— We don't know who it is, but we know the initials over the course of months was able to share with the people in his group on a giving their word. They would not share with anybody else or any other site uh, with intelligence on the war, on American interaction with their allies and our enemies and what we knew and what we didn't know. Now, it doesn't look like it's human intelligence, but it looks like it's signal intelligence, stuff that you get off the Internet, stuff that you're able to put sound devices into various rooms. It looks like we have great sources and great contacts and great electronic ability with the Russians, we we're able to find out that Vladimir Putin had to personally come in and referee a dispute between the Wagner Group and the head of the FSB, which is their military. I say, was saying DOD on on weapons. It's the least of it. So this this site called Discord, Washington Post, Washington Post was able to convince somebody under eighteen got the mother's permission for them to go into a, uh, to back shadow, and in order to speak and tell exactly what was going on there, how this intelligence got out, what they were able to see. And that's more than we could find out the FBI is doing. Now, it's been speculated by people like Mike Turner, who you just heard, that the FBI has got their eyes on the person already just waiting for them to make a move, and they're going to grab him, almost like a stone-cold killer. But what are they waiting for? Knowing that the worst is not done yet, this guy disappears. He'll never – no one will ever have a career that was involved in this surveillance – And believe me, if I think they had him, they would have got him. Here's Mike McCall, cut seven.
5: Very uh, damaging uh, to the United States and our allies, essentially given the roadmap, if you will, to our uh, strategy in Ukraine against Russia. Uh, Whoever did this, uh, in my judgment, is guilty of espionage by giving away our secrets, uh, which will only empower and embolden Chairman Xi in China and Putin in Russia, and just having gotten back from Taiwan, we were circled by, you know, 10 battleships, an aircraft carrier, and uh, 70 fighter jets. It's very serious. Uh, and it's really going to hurt Ukraine, which is uh, very sad, as they're building their counteroffensive in the springtime.
3: So they're able to adjust, they think, they're able to see Pretty clearly that they definitely desperate for arms, desperate for missile defense rockets that go in there and knock them out of the sky. Uh, desperate to get their allies to pull their own weight and make sure duplicitous acts like the UAE and Egypt aren't able to supply Russia in, the de- in this extremely desperate time. But Russia was able to get this intel on Telegram, change it, and then put it back out there. So some of the stuff is disinformation, but most of the stuff isn't. Or else, believe me, we would have been walking it back. Seemed a member drawn to this guy's name is OG. All these guys were drawn to his bravado. They said that he could use weapons. He always talked about God. He always talked about military. They felt a certain kinship for each other during the pandemic. Quote, I was was one of the very few people in the service that was able to understand that these documents were legitimate. Uh, It felt like I was on top of Mount Uh, Mount Everest. I felt like I was above everyone else to some degree. They felt special. Because they were able to take in some of the intelligence and post it up and nobody else had it. Think about this. He also went on to say that they knew it was wrong. Cut two.
6: The documents were often listed as Ukraine versus Russia at first. However, it slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. He was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal. And if he's that smart, he's always looking at a lifetime in prison. And uh,
3: at least domestic derision. And he has jeopardized our relations with all our allies. who are never going to look at us the same way. Just like it took forever to come back from Snowden, WikiLeaks, uh, and from uh, Chelsea Manning. Now it's going to take forever to come back from this. And we haven't even ended it yet. Just can you imagine? We saw 33 documents and 27 documents. There could be hundreds out there that could be flooding our way. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show inside the Hunter Biden case in a moment.
2: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings?
5: I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration, there will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government.
0: Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business? Yes, I the stand panel?
5: by that statement.
3: President Biden multiple times saying nothing to do with Hunter business stuff. We had a big wall up there. Not so. As vice president, 80 visits from Hunter Biden's business associates multiple times with a lot of the same people. What were they talking about? Golf? Sports? Hunter's crack. What were they talking about? Let's put logic in there. And then we have an additional witness and a guy that's been following it, John Levine, New York Post writer. John, welcome back. Uh, Those words. We knew when he said it, you got the sense we're going to come back to haunt him. Are we there yet?
7: Oh, yeah. No, Peter, Peter Ducey. that clip with Peter, that should be in the Smithsonian because that really defines the whole era we're in. That's the heart of everything is what it's not. This is not about Hunter Biden. This is about Joe Biden and what potential involvement he had in his son's business dealings and what to that that involvement now potentially compromised him as president of the United States. But we can't have this conversation in a real way because they continue to deny the the, the reality, as he says in that clip and over and over since. I've never had any involvement in my son's overseas business dealings. But now we have. You know, now 80 different documented visits to the White House or the Naval Observatory by different Hunter Biden business partners. You know, I, just when we thought we'd looked under this rock and there was nothing left to see, you know, up pops another business partner. You know, her name was Joan or J- Joan Mayer, vice president of Rosemont Seneca. She's 17 visits to the White House and Naval Observatory. 27 for Derek
3: well, yeah, Sherwin, yeah. John Walker, 16, Katie yeah, Dodge, yeah, nine. Yeah. That's a personal assistant. Yeah another long what, time it, yeah your
7: your colleague dana perino who's a white house veteran says this is this is crazy that this is she, when she was there this it was, something like that would have been completely abnormal this is a completely abnormal situation and they, as you say they're not talking about golf they're not talking about the weather there's they're they're not national security experts they don't have expertise in any specific fields that would require them to be there would they just it's just kind of a black hole what business they have before these people around President Biden, and by the way, they were not meeting Obama people. they were not meeting with Obama people. they were meeting with aides and staffers to Vice President Biden. It was never Obama people,
3: so you know I always wonder in the back of my mind I've said this, and people laugh that do you think Barack Obama is ticked as he reads this? He goes, he understands he's not waiting for the investigation to play out. He already knows. There's something disturbing. Remember the interchange, you you, you cover this. Remember the exchange back and forth when he went over there because he had the Ukraine portfolio and his son was working on the BRISMA board and his beau sadly had just died and and his staff was going back and forth saying, this looks terrible. It looks terrible that his son's serving on the board at the same time he's over in Ukraine trying to figure out if Russia's going to try to take the rest of the country. And on some level, it's actually worse than just looks. Mike McCormick is a stenographer in the Obama White House and witnessed this. Listen to a little what he said last night, cut 20.
0: Joe Biden was in the front of the plane. My job as a White House stenographer was to be in the back of the plane. And if Joe or a senior administration official came back and did a briefing, then I would record it and make a transcript. And that senior administration official was Jake Sullivan. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. Years go by. I'm writing books, and I get a hold of the Hunter Biden laptop. About a year and a half ago, I started writing a substack based on what I find. And then I go back over what I knew happened. I found the transcript that I wrote about that briefing. That's when Jake Sullivan starts talking about fracking. Because of what I'd read in the laptop and reported in my substack previously, I'm like, wait a minute, Joe Biden knew Hunter Biden was already on the board on April 18th. He directed Sullivan to go back and talk to the press. Is this unbelievable?
7: You know, I the Obama people knew Hunter was a liability from the get go because I remember he was work in 2008. Hunter was working as a lobbyist, and they ordered him to stop doing that because it was a bad look for the campaign. And and then you you have to remember things like when Joe Biden was considering a run for president in 2016, he ultimately didn't do it. Now. The, the Obama people were against this. It's, it's, it's been widely reported that, that Obama put his thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton and, and against his own vice president in that contest because you know you have to wonder what played into that decision. And I have a it, – it's, it's certainly plausible to assume that, that he would have been aware of Hunter's vulnerabilities and liabilities. And the, the exact same situation we're now experiencing. He didn't
0: want that to come out.
3: Here's more from McCormick. Cut 21.
0: Public corruption—that's what the FBI is supposed to investigate. So I wrote a Substack about it in November. Nothing happened. I went to the FBI and filled out their witness tip line. I submitted it. If you lie to the FBI when you're submitting a tip like that, you can go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. Joe Biden is lying. Joe Biden is a criminal. That's the bottom line. I don't care if he goes to Timbuktu or Islander anywhere. He's a criminal, and I've got the evidence. If they put me in front of the grand jury that's right now seated in Wilmington with Special Prosecutor David Weiss, my testimony becomes the evidence that will put him in jail or lead to his impeachment.
3: Or not running again. And the bottom line is, doesn't seem to be that much curiosity, but the bank records could be key, John. Can we expect more on the bank records? Because it seems as though Comer's having some, uh, making some progress there.
7: It's it's very it's it's very slow. It's very plotting. So you know they got the SARS, the suspicious activity reports. Hunter Biden and family have over 150 of them. Most humans go through their lives not generating one. And so apparently they've been trying to get these for months, and they got them. And the Treasury Department has fought them, but now they're letting them look at them, but only in camera. Which means they can go to the Treasury and physically look at stuff, and they can like take notes and leave. They can't take pictures. But I have to tell you, I don't know that the American public's ever going to see them. Um, I'm, I'm being told there's a lot of bureaucracy and, and regulations and, and protocols that they have to follow, and I don't know if the American public's ever going to see these, these suspicious activity reports, which is which would be very sad because I think we all have a right to know what's in them. And I, I just I just hope we can keep going through them and maybe the the, the banks that were involved. It can cooperate so that they don't necessarily have to come from the Treasury, but from the banks that generated them. But so, it's still very slow going.
3: So if you look at this list of people that have visited the White House, including Rob Walker down on the list, John Walker, I don't know if John's his full name. I'm not sure. But uh, Rob Walker has been asked to testify. And the word is there are people, business partners willing to testify. I'm not sure if they want their name out there. It's going to be behind closed doors. But that would be key. <laughs> Besides Tony Bobolinsky, whose credibility was beyond reproach, but his testimony has just been ignored outside Fox and the New York Post. Somebody else walks up and goes, yeah, I was doing this deal. Joe was involved. I made sure he got a piece of the action, which means he has no problem lying multiple times, making up stories on a regular basis. This would be one that's tough. It's going to be tough to outrun. And this might be a time, John, to factor politics in where maybe Democrats won't scurry to block. Because they might say, man, if, if this gets worse, it will be too late. Maybe this is our opening. I'm very curious to see how this plays out this summer.
7: Well, the in terms of business partners cooperating, the, the best lead here is Eric Schwerin. Eric Schwerin was the president of Rosemont Seneca. Uh, that was Hunter Biden's investment firm. He acted sort of as a family CFO, consigliere for a decade. He's all over the hard drive. He was very intimately aware of both Hunter and Joe's finances. He's, he's like the key he's, – he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the Tom Hagen, to use a, to use a, a godfather, you know, a, a reference, and uh, he's, he's cooperating with the oversight committee. As far as I know, they're in talks with his attorneys, and he's going to offer his uh, testimony to them voluntarily. There's no need for a subpoena, and there could – he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows where all the bodies are buried. If there is a there there, then Schwerin's going to have it. So that's probably the thing we should all be watching very
3: closely. Absolutely. And then these paperwork turns up in his house. It's Ukraine related. The guy's the sons on the board. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. So this is basically where we're at right now. John Levine, thanks so much. Continue good work. Thank you. All right. John Levine, working with the New York Post, trying to hunt out the bottom of this, uh, to get to the bottom of this, as well as James Comer. And if Joe Biden, if this is about Hunter Biden, a crack addict who loves hookers and did some uh, uh bizarre international deals which he had no business to be in the middle of. Good luck with that. It's over. It's Billy Carter. It's uh, Roger Clinton. But it, the, how it relates to the president is key. And how comfortable he is not telling the truth is disconcerting. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian
5: Kilmeade. I was Xi Jinping. I've spent more time with than any world leader has over the last 10 years. And over, they keep meticulous count, as the former T-shirt will know. And uh, over now, uh, 87 hours worth. And I was in the Tibetan Plateau with him. I traveled 17,000 miles in China over 10 years. And... Uh, He asked me, he said, can you define America for me? And I can say the same of Ireland. I said, yes, I can. I said in one word, possibilities. We believe anything's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible if we set our mind to it. That's who we are. That's what we believe, in my view.
3: Uh, That is the President of the United States telling the same story over and over again. Uh, we have not heard that echoed from President Xi, and the relationship has not really panned out for us here in America. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, that's a little of the president's ridiculous trip to Ireland, totally unnecessary. And I speak to you saying that I'm half Irish. Uh, I have relatives still living over there in Ireland. That's fine. I would not say I'm going to go through Ireland, take the show, take the whole staff. Take all the press court, not talk to them, even though multiple things are blowing up around the world, including this major breach of intelligence out of our defense department. Think about this. I'm sure the press is having a good time in Ireland to a degree, but you're there not to have a good time. You really want your good time for our guys and for everybody else who follows President Rounds getting an interview, getting a good question off, having a press conference, making news, doing a better story. And doing a better story isn't going to see old churches in Ireland and hearing stories that probably didn't happen uh, of that the president made up. Let's find out if there's even more to know.
2: More to know.
3: Live with Kelly and Ryan will be no longer Mark Consuelos, who married Kelly Rippa, not just to get the show. This is just on a side note. Pete's pursuing this story. But the final episode will be very nice and emotional for Ryan. They'll do uh, some surprises and a retrospective look at his five years on the show. All right, um, he does a lot, unbelievably successful. But I would hope that my final show you would do better than Joe Biden.
10: I was going to—that was going to be my question. Who would you want on your final show many years down the road? Uh, probably, so I could I start on it now.
3: Probably Mark Teeson. I think enough. that could happen. All right, good. And Alan West. The, even, those even, are the guys who drove the show. Uh, and uh, Sylvester Stallone. We might get him back in May. He's got a reality show. I'm trying to convince him to do radio. Hopefully he'll come up.
10: Oh, nice. Well, uh, what, you know, the re- what's the reality show called? His whole family. Oh, the
3: Stallones? Yeah,
10: or something? something like that. Nice.
3: Next, Jamie Foxx suffers medical complications. According to his daughter, he's already on his way to recovery. You know how good an actor he is. Luckily, due to quick action and great care, he's already on his way to, to getting out of the hospital. We know how beloved he is and how appreciative his prayers are. The family asked for privacy. It's currently unclear what kind of medical condition he has. What is that about? Guy's in great shape. What could possibly have gone wrong?
10: Yeah, I mean, thankfully he's in, he's doing better, but it's a rough thing to just, you know. Yep,
3: we'll find out. Next, billionaire Jeff Bezos will not uh, place a bid to purchase the Washington Commanders. Why? Now the world's third richest man out of the picture. The Harris Group is now seen as Commander's chief buyer, led by the 76ers and Devils owner Josh Harris. Uh, the group also includes Magic Johnson. How many gate teams is you going to buy? I know. He owns uh, almost every and, sport. And Mitchell Rails, another group led by Canadian businessman Steve Antonopoulos, is also placing a bid. I don't even know if Snyder's going to sell. Is he being forced to sell?
10: That's what it looks like, and I also saw, that wasn't on in this one, that Bezos knew that Snyder was never going to sell to him, but he opened up an exploratory committee just in case he would change his mind.
3: Next, shorter games in Major League Baseball. uh, Now they have to make an adjustment. People are happy. Fans are happy. Players are happy. Pitchers are not happy. But the problem is no one's buying beer or enough beer. So instead of the seventh inning stretch and a cutoff after seven, they will now extend it to the eighth inning. A group of teams currently including the Arizona Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers, uh, Minnesota uh, Twins, as well as Markey Brewers will do that. Is that okay with you?
10: If the games are going quicker, they need to get their sales. Yeah, but uh, the problem
3: is they don't want people leaving well, that, drunk. Well,
10: that's the thing, and they and I saw that the Brewers owner or somebody from the Brewers made a comment saying, uh, in print, that we care about the fan safety. So if you're going to do this in the eighth inning they, and the game goes so fast, you're going to guzzle down a beer and be on the road uh, within minutes. Right.
3: Uh, you're going to have to one before. You're going to have to drink before you go. I think Pre- it's game. the only way to solve this problem. Pre-game. Yes. Next. Hmm. I'll skip that. Air Jordans, 13s, worn by Michael Jordan during the 1998 NBA Finals, sold for $2.2 million plus, the highest price ever paid for smelly sneakers. Soda Bees announced the historic sale on Tuesday, uh, worn in Game 2 of the pivotal matchup against the Utah Jazz. It should have been the last game he played, right? Uh, Michael's original deal with Nike was worth $2.5 million. Who would think all these years later his sneakers would go for that? Uh, the Bulls were down one nothing. Jordan lived up to the clutch. His reputation scored 37 points in those shoes. I don't know why they're selling them. Why didn't he keep them?
10: Well, he didn't have them. I. And these shoes apparently traveled. What makes it unique it's, it's, it's the complete pair because apparently a lot of the shoes that have been sold or sneakers have only been one of the two.
3: Next, LeBron James leads the NBA's jersey sale. Steph Curry is second. Uh, Curry, Jason Tatum, uh, Giannis, and Luca rounded out the top five. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, uh, Jamor, uh Morant as uh, Morant, as well as Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving, make the list as well. How could Kyrie Irving make the list? Additionally, the Los Angeles Lakers sold more merchandise than any other team. The Warriors, Celtics, Suns, Bucks, Bulls, Knicks, Seventy Sixers, Mavericks, and Nets also made the list. What first time? I think second time ever. All five New York teams made in major sports made the playoffs.
10: First time since '94, I
6: believe.
3: Yeah, and so it might be the second the second time ever. So. You got the Rangers. Islanders went in last night. The Devils. And in basketball, the Nets, un, un, incredibly. The best coach, I believe, in New York area is the Nets coach, Jock Vaughn. Take, what take. he was able to do with that team, even though they traded the two best players, best players and the had third turmoil. one will not play. Ben Simmons won't play. Yeah. He's hurt or his, his head's damaged, psychological problem. And they
10: still made the playoffs. Not only that, they don't have to worry about the play-in game either. So they're in, and they're just waiting for their opponent.
3: Yeah. Well, I think, they, yeah, they play on Saturday. They're going to yeah. play 76. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, best football movies, top five ever. Number five, Brian's Song. I got it. Got it. Uh, any given Sunday, I put Brian's Song above that. Remember the Titans? Awesome movie. Friday Night Lights. I believe it or not, I never saw it. And Rudy. But Rudy's even bigger than a sports movie, don't
10: you think? Yeah, Rudy Rudy definitely. Trends. They only I had one you. play. So does Remember the Titans, because I know people that do not follow football at all, they love Remember the Titans, I guess, because of the message. uh,
3: Yeah, because it was segregated South, coming together, forced busing, uh, and they were able to come together and do exceedingly well. I interviewed both those coaches in real life, too. Oh, wow. For that junket, and I put them in my book, The Games Do Count, which is still available and still selling. Go to briankilme.com. Also, it's how you play the game. Let me factor in also George Washington, Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, Triple-E Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, and three others.